welcome to this week's episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Um, before we start, really, I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, it's been really, it's just been such an amazing project over the last four and a half years, um, sitting down and doing this podcast every week. And I'm super grateful for anybody who's, you know, given it a shot, <laughs> given it a listen, um, and sent reached out on online and and told me thanks or or left me some feedback and stuff like that. Like it's been really cool, really rewarding for me. Um, and the reason why I bring all this up is because just on a whim, I randomly listened back to the intro and a little bit of episode one <laughs> of the podcast, which if you really want to feel like awkward, listen back to like the very first time you tried something. <laughs> uh, especially like if it's re- think back, like the first time you tried any new thing that you might be decent at now. Um, and you think back and you're like, whoa, what did I, I didn't know anything. But when I listened to it, it was just interesting because I'm like, here's a guy sitting in Danville, Virginia in his office, like terrified to record an intro where no one else is around. But I just remember my heart was going crazy. Like I was like stressed out, like anxious. I was like, Whoa, I can't believe I'm doing this. Um, but here's a guy who had a dream and wanted to do something and actually went and, you know, did the work and just did it every week. And it's led me to to where I am now with the podcast and I'm like 239 episodes in and my mind is kind of blown. Um, but I just want to say like, if, if people are there listening one, I really appreciate it. But two, like whatever your goal is, like whatever you want to do, like just start it, just start doing it and do it consistently. And that is my best advice ever. Just keep doing it consistently and you'll notice improvements in yourself. Um, and and then someday you'll be looking back at your very first whatever (laughs) whatever you're doing your very first thing and you'll be like wow look at that person like they're they're actually going and doing it even though they're terrified and even though they're they have all this self-doubt that they might not be able to do it to the level they want to do it um so anyways uh, and the reason why I bring that up with this week's episode is because we're going to sit down and talk with Dylan Roche um, through his journey into running and his passion for the sport. He has gained uh, self-confidence. He's gained this belief uh, in his ability to accomplish anything he puts his mind to. Um, and so he took the less traveled path and he started, he quit his job and he started uh becoming a writer for a living and and so this episode is really interesting because one I just like talking to writers like I think it's I think the power of story is really interesting um and especially people who really kind of look into those stories right they like try to figure out like why why do I like the stories that I like and how can I you know, create my own that are going to affect people in that same way. Like, I think that's super interesting. Um, but also the power of our own story that we tell ourselves. And a lot of times we don't actually look back and reflect on our own story. Um, and so in this episode, Dylan talks a little bit about, he just finished kind of, a. uh, 
he doesn't like the word memoir, but I'm going to say it. Uh, he finished a, a kind of series of writings about his own journey through the sport of running. Uh, and I just think it's really interesting to talk to somebody who's gone in, like done the self analysis. Uh, so let's get right into it. Um, this is the like a Bigfoot podcast number 239 with Dylan Roach. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this week we're welcoming, uh, writer, uh, author and also runner Dylan Roche to the podcast. So thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm excited about this. Yeah, Glad to be I, here. I'm so excited because one, I'm kind of fascinated by the process of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not great at it. I've been keeping a journal though for the last couple of weeks, so that's or last couple of months, so that's kind of helped. Well, I mean, as a as a podcast host, you are in terms of a, you might not be writing words down on the page, but you're still a storyteller yeah. and you are, you know, you're talking to people and getting their stories out of them. So you, you have that side to you, <laughs> even if you're not aware of it. That's true. I do. I just love stories so much. What kind of like drew you into that? And then we'll get into all the athletic stuff and running, but what drew yeah. you into writing? Um, I think I just always liked reading. I always liked hearing stories. And, you know, as, as a kid, I was, I was an insatiable reader. I would read absolutely everything, um, everything and anything. And, you know, of course, I was always a big fantasy junkie. That was always my favorite. But um, no, I mean, I just liked writing or I liked reading. And there came a point where I, I wanted to be writing my own stories. And yeah one thing led to another and I realized it wasn't just, it wasn't just fiction writing that I loved. It was everything. <laughs> I, you know, I liked journalism and I liked blogging and it just sort of grew from there. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Well, what kind of, uh, what kind of stuff were you reading as a kid? Oh gosh. Um, I, I mean, let's see. Uh, I was big into, um, you know, Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, and The Hobbit, A Wrinkle in Time, Never yeah. Next Story, the Oz series, um, uh, Chronicles of Prydain, like all of that, all of those like classic fantasy yeah, stuff. Man. That was right, right up my alley. Dude, that's so cool. Well, because I rewatched and not reading, but I rewatched Lord of the Rings a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I was like, dude, these movies totally hold up, number one. And they're like better than most stuff that's put out now. I know. And then I was like, Frodo and Sam, best endurance athletes of all time. Seriously. (laughs) And well, and honestly, like I'll, I, I'm sure I will touch on that throughout the course of our conversation (laughs) because I'm like, you we as like people living in the 21st century first world don't get the kind of adventures that Frodo and Sam had. So we need to like go out and seek those for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, man. I know for me, like when I've been on big like trail runs or stuff like that, I've like intentionally put on uh, my playlist, like the legend of Zelda songs Uh so i'm like i'm on a quest i'm on an adventure and it kind of like boosts me (laughs) yeah no it it gets your endorphins going and i'll i'll listen to that same you know the same type of movie soundtracks that really amp you up for a run they're really good for writing because you need that same drive in both regards yeah yeah man well i think it's interesting so you 
you sent me a message and you said last night you just finished a very rough draft of a running memoir. So not yeah. a fiction uh, novel or anything like that, but you, you started writing your own kind of like memoir in running. And I was like, wow, that's kind of like, that has to be kind of a weird, interesting, like self uh, exploration. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally. Especially because, you know, obviously I love writing fiction, not, you know, YA fantasy has always been my thing, but then, you know, I just started journaling about running and the profound influence that it's had on my life. And I was like, I got to collect all of these essays and all of these reflection pieces into you know, I hate calling it a memoir because memoir makes it sound like memoir for lack of a better word, but memoir makes it sound like it's my story. And while a lot of it is my story, I think that a lot of it is like what all runners are going to be able to identify with. And it's yeah. all, it's all stuff that, you know, runners are going to read and go, yeah, you know what? I've had a moment like that myself. You know, we all know kind of how it felt to try to have to push through your first marathon or, you know, what it, how it felt to really go out, do a grueling run on a day when you were really depressed and came home feeling empowered. So that, that was kind of what I wanted to get to. And I started just working on it a couple months ago. I don't remember how long exactly, but I just, um, it was just sort of something that I threw together and this rough draft that I finished up last night, which I'm still riding that high of. I'm still feeling really <laughs> excited about it. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a mess. It's going to take a lot of revision, but it just sort of felt good to get everything out on the page. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious, you know, how you like through this process, cause a lot of us, you know, we go through our day by day to day and we don't really like really self-reflect, you know, we're not yeah. like, Hey, what did this mean in the grand scheme of things? We're just like, Hey, I did this thing today. Right. But when you go back and write this, like you have to kind of be like, like these realizations kind of have to appear where it's like, Oh, like that's, I, you know, in my first month of running, I learned this and like, look how it's affected my life since then. Like what kind of things have you learned along the way? I mean, so I guess when I, when I first started running, it was, I, I just realized that, um, what's the best way to explain this? Like, you know, it surprised me, the strength that I had and the resilience that I had. Because um, I was never an athletic person by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, I was, I was a writer. I was a, like, kind of a, I was kind of a nerd. And I just, um, one day in college, it was actually my first day of college, I was just feeling like really lost and really without any kind of direction. I was really depressed and I, you know, I didn't know necessarily what I was doing with my life. And I just came home from my first day of class and put on a pair of running shoes that I don't even remember why I owned. Cause <laughs> like, it's not like I was ever planning to go for a run, but I had this pair of running shoes that, you know, I just happened to have put them on, went out and ran three miles just from like sheer aggression that I managed to power through. <laughs> and I realized like when I came back, I just felt so much better. And I don't know if I thought that I was running from my problems or what. I just felt compelled to do it. And over the next few months, I stuck with it. And I realized, hey, I'm a lot 
stronger than I give myself credit for. I felt a lot more disciplined and I started to realize, um, you know, I just started to get a better vision for what I wanted to do with my life, yeah. <laughs> really. Um, and that felt really good. And throughout, you know, my twenties and early thirties, I started to, you know, like I obviously stuck with running and I started to realize that it was what really carried me through some hard times and, and through good times too. You know, there, I love being in a great mood and going out for a run because then you know, the runner's high on top of already feeling good is awesome. But it was just like, it was, it was my time throughout the day or throughout, it was my time during the day to really collect my thoughts and yeah. reflect, think, you know, get stronger mentally as I was getting stronger physically. Yeah. Where did you go to college? What was I went to, uh, University of Maryland? Oh, no way. Okay, sweet. Yeah. So very first day, like, obviously, you moved in and stuff like that. But well, just, so, was it so just actually, that change that was so overwhelming? Or what? No, it's actually, it's actually funny, because I was, um, I transferred to Maryland. But my first semester of college, my first year of college was at our, our local community college. Okay, I think that kind of played into it was that like, all of my friends had gone away to college. And here I was, you know, ultimately with the plan to transfer somewhere, but not really knowing what I wanted to do when, yeah. you know, what I wanted to study or what my career goals were. You know, I, 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 in my head, I said, you know, I want to be a writer, but what kind of career path is that? What sort of training do you need for that? And, you know, it wasn't until I started running that I thought, oh, if I can accomplish this goal, why am I not laying out the outline for a novel and starting yeah. to work on this? Yeah. So, it just gave me direction that I didn't have before. Yeah. I totally relate, man. Like I, it's funny. Cause you think back to college now as like a busy adult and you're like, man, like I had a lot of free time. Yeah. But, but when I think back to college, I'm like, dude, I was stressed all the time. Like it was a very stressful experience just like trying to keep track of your schedule and like, when do you have tests? When do you have papers? Like all that was just overwhelming. Yeah, seriously. No. And, and you needed something to like, Yes. You need something to ground you. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I'm assuming you're like me, like when I go out for a run, it's the time to like, just collect my thoughts or, or just completely zone out and just let everything go. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I tend to do, I tend to do both. You know, there are some days that everything goes out of my head and then there are some days that I'm plotting out the entire narrative of my next project <laughs> um, or reflecting on world events or thinking about philosophy or just doing, you know, it's, it's just time to get your, get your head cleared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So eventually you kind of took it from, you know, just the time to get your head clear to something you wanted to like actually try some races, try to compete in things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you should ask that because for the longest time I refused to do any kind <laughs> of races. I yeah. was like, I'm not a competitive person. I'm running for myself. I don't need to do this. And, um, actually my first race, my cousin talked me into doing the across the Bay 10 K, which is a 10 K across the Chesapeake Bay bridge. And I thought, you know what, what the heck, why not do it? It'll be fun. Um, and it was, it's, it's an amazing event and it was a lot of fun. And then right after that, a few months later, I registered for my first marathon and thought, yeah, well, you know, what the heck, how bad can it be? And <laughs> it sucked. I was like my first marathon. 
you know, I'm very fortunate in that because I run long distances as it is, I didn't really have to do any training yeah. for, for my marathon. But um, yeah, I, I went out and did my first marathon and it sucked and I hated it. But then two days later, I was like, yeah, I'm a badass. I'm going to do this again. That's what my wife says about, said about uh, childbirth. She's like, she's like, it's, it's the super painful experience. But then like a couple weeks later, you're like, that wasn't that bad. Like you just remember it differently. Exactly. Well, and in fairness, in fairness to your wife, like a marathon, all you get is like a medal and a (laughs) t-shirt. Like childbirth, you have human life to show for your efforts. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. You get another little goal, you know, got another thing to work on now. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Another Um, thing to stress you out. That's amazing, man. What, what marathon was that? So that was, it was just the, uh, the Baltimore and Annapolis trail marathon. It's right here in my hometown. Yeah. So, so it's, um, I mean, trail as in uh, it's a bike trail. Oh, gotcha. Okay. My, um, so my local bike trail where I go running is, you know, it's paved the way a bike trail is, but it's, there are long stretches through the woods and then occasionally you will like come through a suburban area where you're like, Oh wait, I'm not actually out in the wilderness. Um, but you know, and there are plenty of, of unpaved trails surrounding it. So I can take like a little two mile detour through the woods and stuff like that. Um, so it is a really, it's a nice setup and it's a nice little escape for me to go to every day. Yeah. That's amazing. During that time, that time period when Uh you're reflecting back on it is there any like specific days that stood out or specific like training runs or or uh misadventures or anything like that during i guess like when i was leading up to my first marathon yeah like your early days of running was did you have Uh any misadventures along the way no i mean i i i hate to say it but i don't know that i really did um it was it was pretty boring um i will (laughs) say that I guess the closest I could have to like a good story is when I realized I, when I finally came to the resolution that I liked going for a run better than I liked taking days off. And I know that like rest days are important and I would never discourage anybody from taking rest days, but I have an eight year running streak just because I, I, I never, I never feel like I need a rest day and I'm still getting faster and I'm still able to go farther. So it's like, why, why should I take a day off if I don't want to? But that has led me to run in hurricanes and in blizzards and in hundred degree heat. I mean, I've run some pretty ridiculous (laughs) weather just for the sake of getting my miles in. Cause I know it'll make me feel better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you, when you like, at least for me, like if it's a really rough weather day, Uh like this is just extra training like this, who knows? Like, I don't know if the event I signed up for, if it's going to be as crappy as this, like, do you kind of approach it that way? I do. Absolutely. And actually that's kind of, that actually is kind of where the title of my, my running book came from. So it's called runner's warning. And that's a reference to um, in fall of 2019, I did two marathons in the same weekend. I did the Baltimore Marathon and the Atlantic City Marathon. I did Baltimore Marathon on Saturday and the Atlantic City Marathon on Sunday. And the day of the Atlantic City Marathon, um, there was this red sunrise, um, bright red sunrise. And it made me think of, you know, the expression, 
red sky at night, sailor's delight, red sky in the morning, sailor's warning, or in this case, runner's warning, because I saw this bright red sunrise and I thought a storm is on its way. It is going to rain. And sure enough, 15 minutes, I'm sorry, 15 minutes, 15 miles into the second marathon, it started pouring. And, you know, I was, it sucked, but I was like, you know what, I'm trained for this. Like I've run in the rain before, who cares? And, you know, you can't control that. And that's sort of what running has to be about. You have to be ready to take on whatever obstacle comes in your way. And that's the same for life. You don't know what curveball is going to get in front of you, but you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and pushing forward. Yeah, that's why I love it. It's such a good analogy for overcoming obstacles in life. Like it really truly is. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And that was one of the things that, like that was what I thought about when I saw that bright red sunrise and I thought, you know what, should I give up? Should I really carry through and do this second marathon? Like nobody's going to blame me if I say, Oh, I don't feel like doing this. I'm just going to go home. But I thought, you know what? No, like you can't chicken out on life and you can't chicken out on the marathon you're registered for. You just have to do it. (laughs) Yeah. What, what, um, what kind of brought up that idea of like doing a double marathon? Um, I, so I, 2019, I had, I had had a really great year in the beginning. It was, um, uh, my first book had come out. My, um, I was doing a lot of like prominent volunteer work in the community. And then things just kind of like started to fall apart just in my, um, in terms of like, I was just hitting some like toxic atmosphere at work. And that was when I thought, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to go out on my own and be a freelance writer. Yeah. And I did. And so like, I had all this stuff to be proud of in terms of like book release, leaving my day job to become a full-time freelancer. Um, I was so proud of myself, but I felt like I needed a physical challenge on top of all of that professional challenge. And um, I was having a conversation with somebody and she brought up a really awesome quote and I cannot for the life of me remember uh, who it is who says this. Um, If your goals don't scare you, they're not big enough. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. What goals am I setting right now that are scaring me? I've already set, like I've already accomplished plenty this year, but like I need to do, I need to actually like pursue a goal that is like really going to intimidate me. And I found out that the Baltimore Marathon was happening and the Atlantic City Marathon was happening. And at first I thought, oh, they're the same weekend? Well, I'm going to have to choose one or the other and I don't want to have to choose. And then I thought, you know what? Instead of choosing one or the other, why not do both? Yeah. (laughs) What's the worst that could happen? I got to ask you this. After the first one, how sore were you? And also how much food did you consume that night? Because that's the key. That's no one tells you that that's the key. You just got to eat a ridiculous amount of food after the first one. And then you can probably go take on that second one. Yeah. Well, and, but like, I was also kind of nervous cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to like overload myself so that halfway through the second marathon, I got an upset stomach or anything like that. So I, I was chowing down on, you know, like, like I made a protein smoothie with like, you know, spinach and berries and banana and avocado and all that good stuff. And then, you know, I was eating cliff bars and, you know, 
granola bars and all that stuff. But I wasn't, I wasn't like just eating out of control, which maybe I, maybe I should have done that. But now the next day I definitely did. <laughs> the next day I was like, give me anything edible. I will eat the furniture at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah man. Well, yeah. It'd be interesting. Cause I just know when I've done my long days in a row, it's that just fair. I'm like the first day I'm like fair game. I'm eating everything in this house and just see what happens. But I will say I've done also done one road marathon uh-huh. bathrooms were so disgusting that I don't blame you for not. Yeah. No. <laughs> and well, and it was actually funny when I was, I was driving home from New Jersey after the second marathon and I was coming up on the Chesapeake Bay bridge. So I was, you know, I was in theory only, f- you know, five, seven miles from home or whatever, but there was bridge traffic. But according to my GPS, it was going to take me this, like what should have been a 10 minute drive was going to take me like an hour. And I just thought I'm so hungry. I cannot wait to get home. So I turned right around and like hit up a a Wawa and just like, (laughs) just hit up the gas station and got like all this food so I could spend, I could just sit in traffic and eat. <laughs> it was probably the best sitting in oh, traffic. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is great. That's amazing, man. <laughs> well, did you, okay. So I got to ask this then. So your first marathon or your first run was across the bridge, right? So that, yeah, that was my first race. Was, or your first was, race. Yeah. And so now you're driving back across it. Is there that I just have to wonder, like, as a storyteller, are you connecting these pieces where you're like, oh, I drove back across, like, my first, very first race after doing this in, like, crazy double marathon? No, you know what? That that didn't, that hasn't occurred to me until now. I'm glad that you pointed that out because that is sort of a beautiful thing. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I just remember doing a race once in the, on these trails that I ran all the time. And it was my first race where like, I was just going for it and it was going really well. And I was getting to the end and I started getting tired and I saw like a yak track hanging up on a tree and it was my yak track from like a couple of weeks before. And I was like, it just reminded me like of all the hard work I put in to like that moment. And I was like, yeah, everything leads to a moment. It's such an obvious thing but and no but it, it, it is and you learn so much and you grow so much and it, it is kind of rewarding to be able to experience those accomplishments in a place that is your own yeah 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 man well so you get done with that like what did you set a well actually i want to go back for a second okay um how, how like it's just so everyone wants to like hit out on their own and chase their passions right but taking that step is actually fairly a difficult thing to do. Like what, yeah. what was the, did you have a moment where you're like, I have to do this now? I think that there was, I'm, I'm sorry. Is, my dog is barking. Is he like, is my mic picking him up? It is a like, little bit. It's okay. I'll, I'll just Tyrion. edit this part. <laughs> oh, your dog's name is Tyrion? I have a corgi named Tyrion Lannister. Oh, no, I can't edit this part. That's <laughs> I, hey, dude, I know a guy who I've had on this podcast from Virginia. Uh-huh. He has like, oh man, I don't even know what kind of dog. It's like a giant dog, like a huge okay. dog. He, his parents were our neighbors when we lived out there. Uh, anyways, his dog's name is Sir Jorah Mormont. So. Oh, that's, that's perfect. Your dog's that should eat. I know, seriously. <laughs> My little corgi and his giant whatever 
his giant bear. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. 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 But so I was asking, like, going out on your own seems like such a, a thing that a lot of people, you know, daydream about, and yet so few people actually go out and do. Like, yeah. what was, was there a moment that, like, pushed you towards that? I think that I think that there was a moment there. It it built slowly over the course of a few months, where I was like, I I knew that I was not where I needed to be, or like yeah. where I you know, um, in my day job. That this was a day job that I had loved for many years, um, but it had sort of taken a you know. I just started to realize that I wasn't really appreciated and I wasn't really valued, and I. That kind of got to me because I was like, why am I not appreciated? Why am I not valued? I have so much talent, so much to offer and not to like sound my own horn or like build myself up. But I was just like, I could go do this for myself and really, you know, have something really have like, for lack of a better word, my chance to chase my passion. And I just reached out to a few people within my network that I knew could, you know, could kind of help me. And, you know, fortunately I'm surrounded by some amazing people who stepped in and made it happen. And, you know, it just kind of went from there. But there was one day where I was just like, to answer your question in, in succinctly, it all sort of built, but there was one day where I was just like, you know what, I'm done, I'm done. Yeah. I, gotta, I, I gotta take this leap of faith. As scared as I was, I think that running to tie it back to running, running had given me a lot of strength and courage because I was like stuff that I never thought I'd be able to do, whether it's that very first three mile run that I did on my first day of college or whether it's my first marathon or what, like running had taught me I can do stuff that I never thought I could as long as I just keep putting one foot in front of the other and remembering to take, take deep breaths. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, it teaches you the process too. Yeah. Where yeah. you're like, you don't just, they don't say start and then you're at the finish line. You know what I mean? Like there's all those steps literally in running there's right. steps in between. And so you can apply that to other things that you want to achieve and have that understanding, which is like a mature understanding of like, this is going to take some work. There's going to be process. Like there's going to be steps along the way that I have to go through to get there. Right. Yeah. 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 That's Absolutely. amazing, man. So what was that experience like just starting off on your own and trying to get, you know, a book made and things like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, so, so my, my book had come out earlier that year. So I already had that, but I was now able to kind of focus on the follow-up and my next project because I had a little bit more time and a little more flexibility and I was able to focus on, fiction writing as well as the journalism and blogging and I was able to um, focus on running a little bit more because I had more spare time in my day Um, but as far as how it felt I felt as if just a weight had been lifted off me that I didn't even know was there Um, it was it was really incredible because I had been kind of spiraling into a pretty dark place and dealing with some depression and some suicidal ideology and all of that and running it sustained me, but I knew that I needed a long-term change. And when I finally got out of there and got out on my own and started chasing my dreams, I was chasing my dreams for a nice running metaphor there. (laughs) But like, I suddenly felt freer 
it felt as if honestly it it felt as if i had been trying to run with a with a 50 pound rucksack and then i had finally taken it off and i was like oh this is how i'm supposed to feel this is awesome i'm able to go after my finish line much much more freely now than I ever was before. Yeah. And you got probably like free, like flexibility in your schedule and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. What I got, I I've always wondered this, like you work so hard on a book, right? Uh And then you get to hold it in your hand. Like what does that feel like? That was, I mean, that was, that was the best moment of my best moment of my life. And like, (laughs) I'm not a parent. So like uh, probably once I like, have a miniature version of myself that I'm holding, like that might change. But up until this point, holding that book was the greatest feeling ever. Um, I remember the day that I got my copy in the mail and I was like, wow, like all the years of you know, late nights working hard and, and you know, the good times and the bad times and the stress and the enthusiasm it just all culminated culminated in like oh hey here's a printed and bound copy of my life work (laughs) that's so amazing yeah Yeah. that has to be well and like what a you know so many goals you know that we have in life you can't just succinctly just have there like it's just it doesn't just materialize as something you can hold and that's just really cool and especially because it's like this wouldn't exist without me doing this. Right. Yeah. And I think about all of the, all of the books that I read when I was a little kid, a little kid. I mean, I write like YA slash middle grade, like that age range. So yeah. I wasn't too young, but I thought about all the books that I loved when I was an adolescent and how much they really meant to me. And when I held my book for the first time, I realized, oh, wow, there's some adolescent reader out there who's going to feel the same way about my work yeah, and is going to think of me the same way I thought about, you know, Tolkien or C.S. Lewis or one of these other that's, writers. Yeah. That's really cool, happen. man. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, yeah, man, that's awesome. I, so you, you get done with the double marathon. Did you go? Yeah. Cause you kind of sent me a, uh, like the next thing you took on was the virtual ultra was that true or was there space in between well so it's it's actually funny that you ask that because there wasn't supposed to really be anything in between but then the pandemic or there was supposed to be stuff in between yeah the pandemic happened um the the double marathon was was october of 2019 and then in at the start of 2020 i had made all these big goals because i was like <laughs> i was like i I'm going to go out and seek adventure and I'm not going to be, I want to be a protagonist and not a secondary character in the story of my own life. And like, I'm going to go pursue big dreams and run a marathon in every state. And then March rolls. It was actually like two days before my first marathon of 2020. Oh really? That like the pandemic was officially declared. And I was like, okay, well, Gus, guess I'm not going to be running this marathon. I still went out and ran the marathon distance because I was so, I was so excited about running that first race of 2020. And then it, it, can't, it gets canceled. I was like, okay, well, I can still go out and run the distance anyway because I'm yeah. doing it for myself and all that, all that cheesy cliched stuff. <laughs> um, I think that's what a lot of runners can relate to though because it is like, 
a lot of people were all super trained up for whatever their spring goals were. Right. And then you just couldn't do it. Yeah. And so I was like kind of disappointed. And so I registered for a few virtual races, but you know, I run 12 miles every morning anyway. So registering for a, a virtual half marathon wasn't, it wasn't like exciting me the way that I needed it to. And yeah. then one of my friends said to me, Hey, have you heard of Yeti trail runners? And I was like, no, I haven't. And she said, you got to check this out. Cause this seems right up your alley. So I went on and that night I was like, Oh, a 24 hour, 50 mile virtual ultra. This sounds fun. And I wondered if that was the one you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was the 24 hour, 50 miler. And I was like, what's I was like, you know what, YOLO, and just registered for it. And um, yeah, that turned out to be the adventure that I needed. Um, it was challenging in the best of ways. It was fun. And it really was, it made me realize like, oh, wow. There are still ways to keep life interesting and keep challenging myself throughout this pandemic. When everything else is shut down, you know, running isn't canceled, hashtag running isn't canceled or whatever, but like here was a challenge that I really needed and that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Have you listened to any interviews with Jason Green? The No, I haven't. You yeah. should, man. He just okay. seems like he's the coolest guy in the world. And uh, that's kind of his thing. Like that's, I mean, you just got to listen. Like that's what he's promoting. Like yeah, basically like just such a positive trail running community and he's just he wants people i'm sure he'd be so happy to hear that this was your first ultra because that's what he's kind of like wanting you know yeah. especially just pivoting to uh virtual stuff for a few months there um you know i, I think probably what a lot of race directors realize is like oh we can introduce people to the sport in like new and unique ways yeah and i think that that was what you know, I really needed that in terms of, of an ultra because it had never even crossed my mind to do an ultra before this. <laughs> Have you, um, when was the first time you heard of an ultra? I actually think that it might, I mean, I think that I had casually heard of them maybe like six months before that when I yeah. was researching cool races to do. And I was like, Oh, a 50 mile race. Oh, that these sounds idiots. <laughs> well, it's just like, this sounds way out of my league, like <clears throat> dare to dream, but I'm going to stick with a marathon for right now. And then when I realized, oh, this is something you do over the course of 24 hours, okay. Um, and I, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that not only is running 50 miles challenging, but staying up all night to do it makes it even worse. <laughs> yeah, man. I want to hear about that. So tell me, what was the format here? Like how many miles an hour were you running? So it was- I guess I could do, do math. That could yeah. help. Well, so you had to do eight miles at a time. Oh, every, that's right. That's right. Every four miles for six miles over the course of, or for six, it's six runs over the course of 24 hours. So you had, okay. Eight miles for every four hours, right? Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Now I remember them explaining that. Yeah. So I got up and I did my first run at 8am and I did my next one at noon and then 4pm. And all of those were like, this feels good. You know, I'm enjoying yeah. this. Yeah. Um, I did it in August, but we had like a, a kind of a cooler spell. So it was like a high of 78, 79 degrees that day. Yeah. I was like, this is perfect running weather. I'm loving this. But then when I went out for the eight o'clock run, 
that was when it started to get like a little bit challenging. Um, and fortunately, like I had a friend come over right after that eight o'clock run to kind of like encourage me and like check in and be like, how's it going? I was like, this is getting hard. This is getting really <laughs> tough. But then like that midnight run and that 4 a.m. run were both brutal. Um, were both really hard, especially because I, di I didn't go on my typical trail because it was late at night. I did it around my neighborhood and I just forgot how hilly my neighborhood was. I think that like my elevation was like 900 feet when I like over the course of those six miles or eight miles. Um, but those were both, those two runs were really challenging. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you saved the nighttime. I bet some people probably like woke up at midnight or something to start it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I probably could have done that, but I thought this would, yeah, this would just be easier to stay up, you know, to, to do my first run in the morning and then stay up all night and then sleep the next day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I actually remember when I, when I finished that 4am run, and I got home and it was maybe like five o'clock, five fifteen, somewhere in there. And I had the day before I had like entertained this idea that, you know, oh, that'll be close to sunrise and I can take my dog to the to the park or down to the river and I'll watch the sunrise and like, you know, just celebrate my accomplishment watching the sunrise. And then like I got home and I was like, screw this. I've seen enough sunrises in my life. I'm going like, I'm going to go to bed. Your dog's just sitting there sadly holding his oh, leash in his mouth. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, dude, no. No walks, no park. Like, it's bedtime. Oh, that's hilarious, man. How did you, how did you like, physically hold up through that? Um, physically, I felt good. I started cramping yeah. a little bit. You yeah. know, I started cramping a lot um, toward the end of it. But, you know, I, I came home, and the next day, I just sort of, you know, I just sort of took it easy, like hung out around the house, migrating from the sofa to the kitchen so that I could like nap and eat, nap and eat. <laughs> then the next day I jumped right back into my routine and started running again. So nice. I, I bounced huge. back pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, yeah, that's awesome. What, uh, what kind of like lessons did you learn from that? Cause I just find an ultra is so much different than uh like a marathon or half marathon or something like that like it yeah. just it's it's a different sport almost like i try to describe it to people i'm like i mean you're running for sure but it's just you're doing a much different pace and all that and, stuff yeah and it's it's much it's much longer that you know you with with a marathon you know, you're miserable for you know three and a half hours yeah. whereas for this like it, i was stretching it out over 24 days and i don't want to say or 24 hours for a full day i don't want to say that i was miserable but like the last two runs were really challenging and um you know felt really good but but it it pushed me to my limits and i think that there were really two big lessons that i took away from it and sort of one was you know, the whole cliche, you, know, you can overcome any challenge and you, know, you can do anything as long as you just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, the other one was more that those challenges are what, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this, those challenges are what keep life interesting. And yeah. If we don't go out and challenge ourselves, things just get a little bit stagnant. 
And life during a pandemic just has a tendency to be stagnant. We're doing the same thing every day. But all of a sudden, when I went out and challenged myself and forced myself outside my comfort zone, I had an interesting story to tell for it. And I felt, even though I felt physically, physically, I felt really exhausted, really beat up. Mentally and emotionally, I felt better than I had in a long time. I was like, this is awesome. This feels so good. Um, even if, even if I was physically like kind of sore and cramped up. So, yeah. you know, I think that, that goes to show you that challenges and going outside your comfort zone, while they like kind of suck, they're also really great for us. Yeah. I always tell people too, I'm like, I mean, isn't ultra great for me physically? I don't know. That's up in the air. Right, exactly. <laughs> but but emotionally and mentally, it's helped me grow by like leaps and bounds. Yeah. Well, and I also think that you realize how many people are cheering you on. Because yeah. obviously while I was doing this, you know, throughout the course of the, the six runs over 24 hours, I was posting to my Instagram story and I was like tracking my distance and sharing screenshots from Map My Run and all of that stuff. And I was having people, people were sending me messages saying like, you got this. I'm blown away. This is so awesome. And I was like, Oh, wow. I didn't realize that how many people were cheering me on until like, you really like, you know, do something like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then you got to think of like the positive ripples. Cause someone might've been like, Hey, I saw Dylan did this thing. I guess yeah. I'm going to try something crazy too. Right. Well, and that's what, that's what's so cool about the running community is that like you see these people who are doing extreme stuff and you're like, Oh, I want to try doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's amazing, man. And then, so that kind of like, once you finish that, did you catch the ultra bug or was that kind of like, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) Big time. And I wanted like one of my goals for 2021, if running become, or like if in-person races become a thing is I definitely want to do an in-person ultra. Um, that's one of my big goals. Um, cause I, uh, but as far as like another virtual one, yeah, that might be the only thing in the foreseeable future. So maybe after we get off this, after we get offline, after this conversation, maybe I'm just going to go register for another one. <laughs> Yeah, See man. what new crazy thing I can do. I thought the virtual thing was kind of cool in in that I gotta like design my own route. And if you make yeah. it something that's meaningful and an adventure, like because I just I there's all these trails by my house, like single track trails and stuff. And I was like, I wonder if I could get to that mountain in Boulder just by trails. And so yeah. and I ended up signing up for a 50k and just heading out my door one morning and then running to that mountain and now every time i look at it i'm like dude i ran to that from my house like that's weird (laughs) yeah well and i you know there's so much in my immediate area where i'm like i would like to explore that via running yeah yeah you know so why not um yeah and maybe you know i think that if i am going to if I am going to register for like a 50 miler or 100 miler, cause go big or go home. Right. Um, then I got to start doing things like training my stomach to be able to eat a granola bar while I'm running. Cause people, so key people say that. And like, I am not somebody who's ever tried to fuel myself mid run, which I know is bad, but 
Dude, that's all how- ultra running is. Can so I, know. I went out and did the Marine Corps marathon uh and there were the people out on the course like i'm so used to like food all the time so i just like keep shoving food in my face yeah and there's people on the course and they have these things this is not a made-up story by the way i'm gonna start by saying this they had these things on their hands that was like the vaseline you know they had like the little dabs of vaseline you could go by and grab some and for a brief second i was like do they have peanut butter on their fingers like if I'm supposed to eat the peanut butter off their fingers and then I'm like, right. oh, it's Vaseline. Uh, My bad. Okay. Yeah. Good thing you didn't eat it because I can't imagine Vaseline would taste too good. <laughs> Especially like mid, like that's the last thing I would want to eat. Like midway through a marathon is like a big handful of Vaseline yeah. Yeah. off some stranger's fingertips. Yeah. Don't do that. That's bad. Yeah. But yeah. man, yeah. Eating is like such a, like, once you start doing ultras, you realize just what a skill that is. Cause once you can't eat anymore, you just crash and burn. Right. Okay. So immediate goals for the next month is I'm going to like try pushing myself to like a 30 mile run just for fun and take a few granola bars with me and teach myself to eat them. Oh, you got to eat fun stuff though. You can't okay. eat just granola. You got to go like quesadillas, you know, like you just yeah i'm like bring cold pizza that'll be amazing honestly though like at a certain point in an ultra you're just like what will actually taste good right now yeah and then you start craving like the weirdest stuff like potatoes rolled in salt you're like that looks amazing oh that sounds amazing even when i'm not even when i'm not running but like yeah yeah. ginger ale is my go-to because that never upsets my stomach but gives you a bunch of calories so i just like chug a couple of ginger ales yeah helps no but like i know when you said you have to eat a burrito and pizza and i probably made a face because i'm like that's the last thing i want to eat when i'm running but i guess if you train your stomach to be able to do it yeah like that's a that's a great source of calories right yeah there. i just remember in a couple of races my only goal between aid stations was like i have to eat this fig newton right now I'm like, there's no time goal. There's no pace goal. I'm like, my only goal is to consume this Fig Newton. (laughs) Because it's like, it really is like the second, like besides just the physicality of running, like it really is one of the most important things for like success in an ultra. And I think that that was kind of my, my big mistake with the, you know, with the virtual 24 hour challenge was that I was too scared to like upset my stomach. Yeah. So I think I just ate like a few cliff bars between each race over the course of 24 hours. Probably had I been, you know, brave enough to actually eat real food. I was yeah. like, I'll eat when I'm done. I'll eat when I'm done. Trust me. I ate a lot when I was done, but like, <laughs> you know, that's something I need to train myself to do, especially if I'm going to do like a, an in-person race. Yeah. So that'll, you know, this sounds like actually a smart thing for us to be talking about because the gears are turning in my head now. And I'm like, okay, well, if I, let me figure out what Yeti has coming up this season. And if they have another like virtual ultra, that can be my excuse to like learn how to chow down on food midway through a race. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, do you have, is, are there any races out there that have like captured your imagination? Right now? I mean, it's hard right now. Yeah. yeah like, you know, I, I want to do, what is it? It's the, the dopey challenge at Disney mm-hmm. world where they make you do like the, what is it? Like a, 
5k half marathon whatever. marathon yeah you just do yeah. all the races basically exactly you do like five days of races um because i did a virtual challenge like that right after the yeti ultra um i did like a four-day challenge where it was a, a 10k a half marathon a 30k and a full marathon i didn't realize you were allowed to like space them out i thought <laughs> you just had to do them one day after another so that's how i did it and i actually think i got like a, I got like like the race director replied to one of my tweets or something like, yeah. like that and was like, this is so cool that you're doing this four days in a row. And I was like, <laughs> wait, <laughs> I don't have to do this four days. Like I'm running all of these races all in succession, but like it was more fun that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if I can do that kind of thing at Disney world, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, man, dude, that's amazing. I tell me real quick about the 500 miles in a month kind of deal, because if you're putting that work in, man, like you're going to be able to handle ultras for sure. Yeah. So I, it was, well, that was, I was wrapping up 2020 and I had just done, you know, the ultra at the end of the summer. And I had done this four day challenge in November. And I thought I want to finish off the year doing like one more crazy challenge of some sort and then I thought you know what why don't I use running to like do some good in the world if I could yeah. do that um and I discovered charity miles which is that app that that um you basically get pledges you can get pledges from like there are like strangers on there who have sponsored you but you can also send the link to like friends and family and they'll sponsor you but you get pledges for every mile that you run and so I decided okay I want to do, I want to raise some money for um, uh, the Robert Kennedy Human Rights Foundation. And I sent out the link to everybody and downloaded the app and I had to set a goal. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to set a goal of 500 miles in the month of December. What's the worst that can happen? Which if you do the math, that's, that's about 18 miles a day, every day. Which means that if there was a day that I was like, I don't feel like running 18 miles. I'm only going to run 12 miles. That means I need to like make up those six miles somewhere. So like I'm either running 22 miles or I'm terrible at math. I'm running like 23 miles yeah, or whatever the next day or like I had to add three miles the next two days or whatever. So like it got to be pretty crazy. And at one point I was like, am I going to do this? Like, if I give up, will anybody resent me? Um, probably like around December 15th, December 16th, like midway through, I was like, um, I'm really struggling with this. Uh, but then I thought, you know what? No, I'm, I'm not going to DNF on 2020. I'm going to get through this and keep pushing through. And I did. And it was awesome. And I think I ended up raising, I want to say something like, close to $600 for yeah. the Bobby Kennedy Human Rights Foundation. And that was felt very good. Like I was really proud of that. That's super cool, man. Did you finish right on uh, December 31st? I think I finished December 30th, maybe. Nice. Even more yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it, I was a little bit early, but it, I was like, you know what? Why not? And it helped because I went out and ran a marathon on Christmas day. We had beautiful weather and I was like, it's Christmas. I'm going to celebrate by going out and running a marathon. So I think that doing that little bit of extra mileage really helped me like push my way toward that goal a little yeah. bit. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nice, man. Well, Dylan, where, uh, where can people kind of like follow your journey? You know, eventually you're going to have this book out, which I'm super psyched for. I'll have, I'll definitely check it out. Um, where can people kind of like follow along? So follow me on Instagram at Dylan is writing, um, or on Twitter at Dylan is writing, um, or they can check out my website, which is dylanroachwriter.com. Um, and you know, there's a there's a mix of writing and running adventures and of course the inevitable overlap where <laughs> stuff is relevant to both writing and running um but yeah that i i would love to connect with with other writers and other or other runners and other writers like um so that we can all encourage each other <laughs> yeah man that's awesome yeah i i love that i'll link all that stuff in the show notes and okay. definitely encourage people to to check it out and follow along with your journey, man. So thanks for coming on the show. No, thank you. This is awesome. All right, ladies and gents. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to Dylan for joining the podcast this week. Uh, Super fun conversation. Anyone who has a dog named Tyrion Lannister is a good dude in my book. Um, (laughs) uh, So yeah, for me, I think the biggest takeaway for this episode was just the idea of like, going back, really thinking about your journey uh, through life, maybe not even just through running or athletics or adventure or anything like that, but like think about through life and try to think of those moments where you did pick up lessons that you're using now that are affecting your life now. Um, Because those are the moments that, and you know, it, it doesn't have to be anything grand. It doesn't have to be a giant moment, right? Like I guess if, I, if I'm reflecting back on the intro, I didn't want the intro to sound like self-important. Like, I listened to my very first episode and I did it. Like, I didn't definitely don't feel like, you know, I've reached my goals or my potential at all uh, as a podcast host guy. Um, podcast host guy. That's my new name. Um I don't feel that way at all, but it was really interesting to go back because I listened to the intro and I'm like, wow, like this guy had these goals, like these ideas of what he wanted to accomplish with this show. And then to a certain extent, like I've actually done that, right? Like I, I was talking about how at first I wanted to interview, you know, friends and family have these interesting one hour conversations uh, where they talk about adventures, where you get to sit down and you don't have distractions and you're just speaking to one another and really listening. Um, and then I said, and eventually I want to interview like adventure athletes and people I don't actually know um, in person and really dig into their stories. And, you know, I was kind of setting an intention, uh, but it was just funny hearing it from the dreamer you know, who hadn't put all the work in yet. And then thinking back like, oh, here I am four and a half years later. And now what was scary then or what was intimidating then is really just a a part of my week now. Like, and it's a really enjoyable part of my week, which is why I still do it every, every week. But, uh, but yeah. And I mean, whatever you're passionate about, like you just got to start. Um, I think, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember the book. It's in some book, some smart book. <laughs> uh, there's some smart book out there that tells you how to do stuff. And no, one of the things this, whatever I'm thinking of that off the top of my head, I can't remember. Um, the biggest piece of advice was like, whatever you're doing, like be a professional in what you're doing, like put emphasis on it. You have to complete it, um, complete the task, things like that. 
which is hard to do, especially when you still, even to this day, kind of feel like sort of the imposter syndrome, right? Like you're like, I'm not a professional at this. Like I'm a dude sitting in my basement right now, like talking about an, the outro for this podcast. Um, but you just got to do it and you, you have to show up like, like it is something that you are a professional at. And when it, I think this book actually applied to writing, it's like, hey, don't just say you want to be a writer. Say you are a writer. Um, the only way to be something is to actually be it. So like actually go and do that, which is huge. And I think that advice is really important. Um, the other advice I've received that has been important, at least with this, I mean, there's a billion pieces of advice, but one thing that really always sticks out is, especially at the beginning, because at the beginning, you know, whatever you're starting, you're, you're probably starting it because you're a fan. Like you're probably a writer because you like reading stuff people have wrote, right? But at the same time, like when you're first starting out, you're not going to be able to reach those levels yet. So when I started the podcast, like I was a huge fan of podcasts. Um, but, you know, I definitely wasn't going to reach the level of the people who had been doing it for years and years and years, obviously. Um, even with like quality of the audio or what I was saying. And, you know, you could spend hours and hours like tinkering on a project. Like I could spend five hours doing this outro and eliminate all the stupid like ums and uh and like likes. <laughs> um, but eventually you just got to ship it, you know, um, you just got to go out and do it. And I think my friend Calvin Johansson told me that uh, who I love. I love Calvin Johansson. Um, but he just told me like, you just got to ship it, whatever it is, like you get it done, you ship it out there. Um, and you do that and you're consistent with it and you're persistent, which means like when obstacles arise, you don't let that like throw you off. Like you just keep going. Uh, and eventually you might reach unexpected outcomes right like i there's no real expectations with this show <laughs> for me um i'm not like and then someday i will be the new brian gumble from real sports hbo like there's not that that would be cool though like if i was brian gumble jr that would be awesome uh but if you go in and you don't fully have these like you have goals, but you don't have like expectations where it's like, if I don't reach this in six months, if we don't reach this listenership in six months, I'm going to be devastated. Like, don't go into it like that. You just got to start and see where it takes you. I know it's kind of like a, kind of like a hippy dippy idea there, but I'm a huge believer in that. Like just start something and keep doing it. If you like it, keep enjoying it and see where it takes you from there. Um, I know people who are runners can probably relate to that. Cause it's like, you just wake up one day and you're like, I think I'm going to try this running thing that I hear about. And you put on your shoes and you go and do it. And if you like it, you just keep doing it over and over again. And eventually now you're doing things like Dylan mentioned in this episode, like doing ultras or doing back-to-back -back marathons. And you're like, how did this happen? <laughs> like, you know, and you know, you get to this part of your journey where you're like, wow, I can't, I can't believe that this is what I can do now. Um, but it all started by that one day you decided to do it and you just actually put on your shoes and actually went out and got it done. So, um, 
yeah, that's kind of it for the week, guys. I have no idea what I said over the last 10 minutes. I was just, you know, <laughs> kind of talking. That's what got brought up. I listened to that first episode and I was like, wow, this is weird. And then it was painful because you're like, oh, I don't like listening to myself talk, uh, which is weird for a dude who talks a lot. So, yeah. All right, guys. Join us next week. We'll catch up with you then.